0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Pacer fans, welcome back. Episode number three of the Point Guard Chronicles here on PacerStock.net and on iTunes under Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. My man Mike Focci joins me for this one as we interview Robert Flom on Patrick Beverly and what he could be doing this free agency. So Pat Beverly is a guy that I'm really intrigued by. I really enjoyed this conversation. So I hope you guys do as well. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation because we talk a lot of interesting scenarios with Pat Beverly heading into this summer. Pacer fans, welcome back to another episode of the Point Card Chronicles here on pacerstalk.net, part of setting the pace. I'm your host, Alex Golden. Joining me, as always, is my co host, Mike Fachi, And we are here today to talk about Patrick Beverly with the one and only Robert Flom. Robert, what's going on, man?
2: Uh, not much. Doing pretty well. Excited for the uh, draft lottery coming up.
1: Yes, the draft lottery is tonight. We are recording this at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on Tuesday night. So, all right, everybody that's been listening to our podcast throughout this year has known how much I love Patrick Beverly, and I love his fit with the Indiana Pacers. But I'm a little concerned. The Clippers had a really nice playoff uh, round against the against the Warriors. Beverly was playing really solid defense. Now, I know Durant was scoring on him like crazy, but still 10 inches in height difference. I mean, what do you expect? But the the Clippers this, this summer are very intriguing. They have a lot of room. They're going to try to get rid of Gallinari possibly to make even two max slots available. So what does that mean for Patrick Beverly and his future?
2: So I think the Clippers by all counts want to bring back Patrick Beverly. I think, you know, if they don't get a superstar, he's going to be their top target. You know, he's, he was the heart and soul of the Clippers team this year. Um, You know, in all the intangible ways in terms of his leadership, his presence, his fight, his energy, but he's also just a really good player. And I think it's almost underrated how good he is because people overlook his skills and talents for, you know, the junkyard dog mentality. Uh, But he's a really good three-point shooter. He's a great rebounder for a guard. And uh, his passing, I think, is actually kind of underrated. He's certainly, you know, not a Trey Young or, or Luka Doncic or whatever, but he's a really good passer. And he's just a very good player. I think he was like a top 100 player in the NBA this year, possibly higher. And he meant a lot to the Clippers team. So I think they're going to do whatever they can to bring him back. Certainly, if they don't land a top-tier guy, they're going to pay him more money. Uh, But if they do get a Kawhi Leonard, a Kevin Durant, he is a perfect player um, to play opposite those guys. He doesn't need the ball much, low usage, uh, can play off-ball, and just fits in very well. So I think they're really going to try very hard to bring him back whether or not they have the money to and, you know, depending on how long it takes them to shake out the top three agents, it's possible he goes somewhere else.
3: Yeah, Robert, I mean, it, Patrick Beverly, how could you not like Patrick Beverly? He's just, he's a fa- like a fan favorite for everybody because every team needs one Patrick Beverly. The Pacers are lacking that when Lance Stevenson moved on. Obviously, you know, it's a little bit different. Uh, Beverly can... You know, pretty much guard and lock up. He's, he's going to be hard-nosed defense. You know you're going to get just a tough, hard-working guard. But moving into free agency, he's about to be 31. This is his best shot at getting a real deal. What can we see the market for Patrick Beverly looking like?
2: Yeah, you know, he said a few days ago he had a Q&A with NBA.com, and he said he was going to enjoy being a free agent. Uh, he's mm-hmm. never really been a free agent before. And I don't blame him. And I think, you know, if he if his price range creeps up too high for the Clippers and he leaves, I don't think any Clippers fan would begrudge him that. He's 31. He had a major surgery uh, just a year and a half ago. He's not always been the healthiest, you know, guy in the NBA. So I think, you know, him getting a payday is very much in his benefit. It is for every player, but especially for him. As you said, this is really his last, first, only chance to get one. Um, you know, I don't know exactly what kind of contracts are going to be out there this summer, but you have to think that some team that could really use his his leadership and his playing abilities, whether it's a team like the Pacers who wants to contend, or even a team like the Phoenix Suns who just desperately need some veteran leadership and accountability for their team of of young guys, you have to think he's going to get at least ten million dollars a year. I'd be kind of surprised if he got less than that. Um, he's not a very flashy player, and again, he's he's older and has some injury risks so i don 't think he you know he really cashes out either, so my best guess would be he takes somewhere in the realm of like a three year thirty million dollar deal to three year like thirty six million dollar deal um, i don 't really think he gets probably much more than that. I also don 't think he takes much less unless it 's for like an absolutely ideal situation
1: yeah, I think that 's a good price for him, so let me ask you this: the Indiana Pacers definitely need to upgrade their point guard. They probably want a guy like Kemba Walker. Maybe they might look in the draft day to trade for uh, Mike Conley, maybe a Drew Holiday if he's available. But let's just put it out there. They think Pat Beverly is a perfect fit next to Oladipo. July 1st, they offer him that three-year, $36 million contract. Would he be willing to accept that right away, or do you think he would wait it out to see what the Clippers do because he is that committed to you guys?
2: I think at the very least, I don't know if he'd wait it out, but I think he would definitely talk with the Clippers people and see, you know, what what they're looking like. You know, if the Clippers um, tell him, you know, Kevin Durant and Kawhi Leonard are still on the table, but it might be, you know, another, you know, ten days or whatever before they settle. Um, you know, and we don't know if we're going to have the money when that happens. They might tell him to go for it. I do think he likes the Clippers enough, and they like him enough that there will be contact between those parties. Uh, before he makes a dis- decision, um, I think twelve is probably on the upper limits of what they would offer. Um, but I don't necessarily think he's gonna be willing to just wait it out for them you know if if things are bogging down, you know sometimes superstars take forever to make up their minds. They like to be courted, they like to have people fly out to the Hamptons and serenade them and all that shit. Um, you know <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> Pat is not the kind of guy who's who's necessarily gonna want to wait for Kevin Durant to make his decision. Um, So I think he will call the Clippers or, you know, his agent would talk to the Clippers because he does like the Clippers. I think he would like to stay there, Um, but I do not necessarily think he'd wait it out. I think, you know, I don't think he would accept an offer from a non-Clippers team necessarily on the first day unless it, like, blows them off the map, though.
3: Can you tell us what it was like when that trade happened between Houston and the Clippers and you traded a point guard like Chris Paul – and got back a guy like Patrick Beverly, and maybe what your expectations were before, like Beverly, and then now afterwards. Like how would you sum up his time as a Clipper?
2: It's been great. Um, you know, I think every fan base that has Pat Beverly loves Pat Beverly. You know, he's his first season was started out really well. His first eleven games, he was great. The Clippers were off to a really good start. And then he got injured, and his injury was basically the cataclysm that ended, you know, the last remnants of Lob City. And I think people, honestly, still forget that, you know, at the start of the 2017-18 season, a lot of Lob City was still in place. Blake Griffin was still there. DeAndre Jordan, you know, even lesser guys like Austin Rivers and Wes Johnson, they were all still there. Uh, but Pat Beverly's injury really hurt that team badly, and they missed him. They, the reason they didn't make the playoffs that year, um, besides all the trades that went down, is is the loss of Pat Beverly. Um, you know, I think Clippers fans were excited for him coming in, but I think, you know, like I said earlier, that they probably underrated just how good he is basketball, as a basketball player. I think they are really excited for his grit and his heart and his toughness, but I don't think they necessarily expected him to be so valuable in terms of impact on the court. You know, when, the, when Pat Beverly plays, the Clippers are pretty good. When he doesn't play... Uh, they're a whole lot worse. So, And that's been true now over two seasons, though. Again, that first season was just 11 games. Um, so I think expectations for him are higher. I think, you know, the way he played down the stretch of this season in particular, the last three months when he got his legs under him, he was absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know, his rebounding was just incredible. I need to look at the exact numbers, but it was probably somewhere around six rebounds a game um, the last few months of the season does not turn the ball over ever, which is super underrated for a point guard, just very sure-handed and a great outside shooter. He doesn't take enough threes. Uh, You know, he's, he often hesitates to pull the trigger. He likes to look for great shots before taking good ones, Um, but he can certainly shoot it. And yeah, I mean, I think, I think he's a a very nice starting point guard. He's certainly not a star player. Um, You know, he's not a guy who can really give the ball to and ask to create offense, Um, but he does so many other things. Well, and, You know, like you said, there are a million, not a million, because there are only 30 NBA teams, but there are 30 NBA teams that could use Pat Beverly. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, so let's just say that this Clippers love fest falls out. Pat Beverly is now on the open market looking for a team, and the Pacers come knocking on his door, and they say, hey, let's go play with Oladipo. Let's see how this works out. He says, yes. How would you envision a backcourt of Victor Oladipo and Patrick Beverly uh, for the 2019-2020 season?
2: I think it would look really good. You know, I think ideally Oladipo would probably have somebody with a little bit more uh, creating and playmaking chops next to him in an ideal universe. Uh, But defensively, it would be awesome. You know, Pat Beverly is slightly undersized. uh, And Oladipo is, you know, plays bigger than he kind of is. So that would be, you know, a slightly undersized backcourt. But defensively, they would get after everybody. They would not back down from any backcourt. Um, you know, they'd be able to switch. Pat Beverly's really long, and he's capable at guarding bigger players. Uh, so, you know, you could have guys switch across, you know, at least those two positions. I mean, if you keep, you know, Miles Turner, Thad Young, um, you know, you could have a real switch heavy defense. Um, in terms of shooting, he would definitely provide some spacing for Old Depot, uh, which, you know, is definitely a primary concern. He likes throwing those high pick and rolls. You need lots of spacing around him. Uh, I think you know, Oladipo Beverly pick and rolls would be interesting. Uh, Pat sets really good screens for a guard. And, um, you know, like Austin Rivers kind of did in that Rockets Warriors series where he set screens for Harden on Steph to get the switch. I think Pat could certainly do that as well uh, to get a mismatch for Oladipo. Um, you yeah, know, I think just on both ends, I think it would be a really good fit. Again, I think there would kind of be a dearth of creation and, and playmaking at times. Uh, but certainly against most teams, it would be enough. Um, you know, I think shooting wise, it would be really good, and just the energy and fight. You know, there would never be a game where those two would be out of a contest. You know, I think they would be playing hard down 25 in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, yeah. that's what Pat bring, brings from everything I've heard. That's you know what Victor Oladipo is about too. I think personality-wise, they really mesh a lot. Uh, you know, they seem to be very much just about the basketball, about the on-court. You know, what's happening. So I think it would be a really good fit, honestly. Um, you know, I, I agree that I think the Pacers should probably have their eyes set on slightly bigger fish. Um, but Pat Beverly would certainly be a wonderful consolation prize. And definitely a very big upgrade over Darren Carlson and Corey Joseph.
3: Preach. <laughs> For sure. I mean, in, in a day where not much defense is being played, that would be very exciting to see mm-hmm. that pairing. But... As he hits free sheet, do you envision Patrick Beverly being able to lead a team to the playoffs? Can he take his game to the next level and perhaps get a maybe a, a round five hundred team to the next step and into the playoffs?
2: I think so. You know, again, this is where the intangibles more come in. Um, but this Clippers, you know, this team survived basically based on their heart. You know, they had three 20-plus point comebacks in a week, and that just does not happen without Pat Beverly. There are guys like Montrez Harrell, very tough, very energetic, gritty player. Um, You know, Lou Williams certainly never gives up on a game, partially because he can score 15 points in the blink of an eye and get a team right back in, but a lot of that stuff all comes down to Pat Beverly. I think for any team that's just good, uh, you need that little extra something to get over the top. I think Pat Beverly certainly brings that. I don't necessarily think he would bring a good team to play off, you know, to, to championship contention. Um, You know, I don't think he would, he would get a team like the Pacers that far, but I certainly think he'd make them a much more dangerous team on a night to night basis. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think he would definitely, you know, help a team that, you know, around that 500 mark creep up to, you know, seven, eight games over. I think he's worth that much just in terms of his ability to rally a team on any given night, um, be a leader in the locker room, was also a great mentor uh, to the Clippers' young guys like Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Landry Shamit. Um, gave them a lot of pointers. Was really supportive of them while at the same time being critical and pointing things out they could do. I, I think I think he's worth a lot to any team. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he could definitely provide a little bit of that extra oomph. Again, I'm not sure he's necessarily a guy who's going to take you know from a team from 50 wins to 60 wins. Um, but if you're looking for a guy to bring you from 42 to like 48, 49. Um, You know, from a good team to a very legitimate, you know, playoff contender, I think he could definitely be, you know, a, a leader in that role.
1: Yeah, for sure. I definitely think if the Pacers do add him, they would have to upgrade that small forward or power forward position. And like you mentioned, get another playmaker, whether it is a Tobias Harris or a Chris Middleton, someone like that. not saying that those are the guys they're going to get, but someone that's got a little bit more of a playmaking ability, whether it's even a Terrence Ross off the bench, someone like that. So I do think that Pat Beverly is someone that the Pacers should keep their eye on if they do strike out on a Kemba Walker. Uh, I don't really expect D'Angelo Russell to be available um, I believe he'll probably go back with Brooklyn. So really, I mean, I had him number three on my power rankings above a Brogdon, above Ricky Rubio, Goran Draga, Joe's kind of players. So, yes, I'm very high on Beverly. I just think that his defense in that backcourt would be so phenomenal. So, Robert, I really appreciate you coming on and talking with us about my favorite point guard outside of Indiana, uh, <laughs> Patrick Beverly. Uh, where can all the great people listening to this podcast find you out on Twitter?
2: Uh, so my tour <laughs> handle is at rich homie flam uh, a little bit of a dated reference now I, I don't think rich homie kwan has made a relevant uh, or, or anything in like five years uh, but you know I still get some laughs every once in a while so uh, rich homie Flom and uh, yeah my work can be found at clips nation and the tour handle for that is uh, clips nation sbn so yeah
1: awesome man well we appreciate it and we hopefully get to talk to you soon if the Pacers do sign Patrick Beverley
2: yeah, of course, man. Thanks
1: for having me on. All right, thank Thanks a lot, Robert. All righty, guys. That does it for another episode here on PacersTalk.net. I'm your host, Alex Golden. You can follow me on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. You can follow Fachi at underscore F-A-C-C-I. And you can follow SettingThePace at SettingThePace3. Thanks again so much for listening, and we'll be back with you tomorrow when we interview for Drew Holiday. All right. Until next time. See you later, Pacer Nation